the barberry bush and eight other stories for girls by susan coolidge in the cathedral this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org in the cathedral the sun was setting red and dim behind the distant mountains of wales and tinting with a purple flush the nearer malvern hills it was a fine evening people said in the old city of gloucester and so it was as september evenings go in the west of england though an american would scarcely have been enthusiastic over it used as we are to the gold sunshine and deep blue skies of our autumns and the low-hung clouds and the scudding fogs over the severn and the cold damp wind would have seemed rather the presage of a bad day to come than the token of a pleasant one just drawing to its close but as a nation we are spoiled by our prevalence of good weather and are disposed to find unreasonable fault with the english climate forgetting that all the wit and worth of all great britain combined can do nothing to alter or improve it elise french saw nothing worthy of blame in the weather as she stood that evening in the drawing-room window putting on her gloves preparatory to going out it was a pretty room full of firelight flowers and faded well-kept furniture and the lady who sat beside the hearth matched well with her surroundings as pretty as the room and as well preserved as the furniture are you off she said turning a smiling face toward her daughter shan't you want a cup of tea before you go no thanks flora will be sure to be having it when i get there she is always later than we are you know good-bye mamma dear i shall be back soon after breakfast i suppose jemima attending to your dressing-bag oh yes she took it round just after luncheon don't worry about me flora and i will have a comfortable evening together and you must enjoy the dean's dinner i wish flora would not always send for you when there is a party on hand remarked mrs french discontentedly i should have liked you to dine at the dean's and there are to be some young people i hear yes but of course flora has the first claim flora was mrs mount jeffreys elise's cousin a nervous fanciful little woman who like mrs tulliver habitually lived in a world of her own with a population of one she was in rather delicate health and had a husband who spoiled her dreadfully and she hated to be left alone so whenever mr mount jeffreys was called away she demanded elise's company as a right and elise who spoiled her also invariably went let me see reflected elise as she stepped into the street i must stop at pitchard's for mamma so i can't take the short cut the short cut lay directly across the nave of the cathedral from the south porch to the opposite door on the north which leads to the cloister 
is safe going round three sides of a pretty wide square and the townsfolk especially those who lived in or near the close were in the habit of using it except at such times as services were going on there was no service now elise knew but she glanced at the majestic building which barred her way and marked the flying rays of sunset which tipped and gilded pinnacles in the buttress but her errand made the short cut illegible, so she turned sharply to the right and walked swiftly down the street in the waning light she was rather an attractive little figure as she went along not pretty but distinctly bonny in the scott sense neat trim and fresh-looking with the frank happy look of a child in her gray eyes and dimpled cheeks neither brilliant nor beautiful the fairies who presided over her birth had endowed her with one compensating gift in the shape of a lovely voice as clear and true and sweet as the pipe of a lark old people and children loved best to hear her sing and at sunday services those who sat near her apt to listen to her rather than to the cathedral choir the sunset was faded into dusk before she reached her destination a cab was standing before her cousin's door and the maid who opened it had unwonted air of excitement about her what is the matter asked elise instinctively she felt that something was the matter your mistress isn't ill is she oh no miss not ill but it's very haggarded we all are there's a message come from the master he's been hurted on the railway hurt badly well that i can't say miss the message says not but my mistress is in such a taking that nothing will serve her but going off to him at once she is getting ready now so is collins elise waited for no more but ran rapidly up the stairs sure enough there was her cousin bonneted and gloved with flushed cheeks and wan excited eyes engaged with hands which visibly trembled in stuffing things into a bag which things collins a staid retainer pulled out as fast as they were put in refolded replaced or substituted something else in their stead what is it flora demanded elise breathlessly is george really hurt as marianne says oh you've come elise i'm so glad i have been needing you so much yes he's terribly hurt poor darling i'm going to him at once dr evans doesn't wish it but of course i'm going my place is by george's side when he is ill and suffering but did george send for you certainly not george never sends for me you know he never wants me to do anything he would keep me in cotton wool if he could i believe he particularly says no reason for anxiety don't come but it makes no difference i know he needs me and i am going where is he hurt in his arm he says accident elbow wrenched nothing to signify still i know that it must be a bad hurt for his handwriting doesn't look at all like it usually does but flora it was a telegram how could it look like george's handwriting do wait till tomorrow you will hear again from him before then and very likely will find the accident less serious than you suppose 
and then if you decide to go either mother or i will go with you george will be worried to death at your taking a night journey and you are sure to be knocked up by it oh no i'm not i'm perfectly well only anxious and it would kill me to stay and think about it all night it's no use arguing the point elise of course you cannot enter into a wife's feelings how could you and my mind is quite quite made up collins is going with me and we shall get to charing cross at half past twelve remonstrances were useless as elise well knew when flora had made up her mind the thing she was pleased to call her mind like many weak people she was extremely obstinate and her very weakness made it harder to combat her decisions elise contented herself therefore by giving what help she could and a half an hour after her arrival saw her cousin drive away in the cab with collins who luckily was neither young nor flighty and could be trusted to keep her wits about her she had been too busy to think about herself but now the question arose of what she was to do to spend the night in flora's home with her demoralized maid-servants was not to be thought of it took but a moment to decide i'll just run home by the shortcut she said to herself it won't take ten minutes and i may be in time to see mamma before she starts her party she glanced at the clock and was dismayed to find that it lacked but eight minutes of closing time that was enough however she concluded if she walked fast as she set out at a rapid pace it was dusky in the street and duskier still in the cloisters so dark in fact that the carved fans which are the glory of its groined roof were invisible all merged into one deep soft shadow but the cathedral was open still for she hurried down to the angle of the west walk the door swung back and some one came out passing her in the darkness inside the building it seemed lighter for the high clear story reflected somewhat of the streak of day that still lingered in the west halfway across the nave she heard the door through which she had passed lock behind her and there was scarcely time for a thrill of apprehension when boom 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 came the strokes of the tower bells and mingled with their clang the sharp unmistakable click of a turning key from the exit toward which she was hastening she was fastened in like a lapwing elise ran to the south door caught at the handle made sure that it was fast and then began to beat with all of her force upon the panels crying let me out let me out i am ellis french you have locked me in let me out but the bells drowned her calls and the noise of her blows upon the door and as the bells ceased a sound of distant retreating steps on the flagged walk showed that the verger was on his way to home and his supper and with no idea that he had left a prisoner behind him a poor little prisoner who appeal he had disregarded it was really a trying position for a girl of nineteen to find herself in there is something awful in the sense of a great space which the eye cannot penetrate it affects the imagination powerfully happily elise french was neither nervous nor hysterical 
but a sound vigorous girl with nerves under common good control and though she turned pale and clasped her hands tightly together as she realized her predicament she neither shrieked nor fainted in fact after the first chill start of dismay had passed she felt an impulse to laugh at the plight into which her imprudence had brought her it is really too ridiculous she said to herself but there this is comfort mamma will not be worried she thinks i am safe at flora's she sat down in the nearest chair and looked about her shivering a little as she realized the vast and height in silence what do people do who are shut up in cathedrals she reflected i don't think i've ever heard of anyone being so if i could get in behind the choir and cuddle up in the lady chapel i think i shouldn't mind it so much but of course the gratings will be locked those miserable vergers are so afraid of missing a sixpence that they are sure to fasten them she groped her way toward the iron gates which bar the ambulatories but found them as she had supposed they would be securely fastened the lights in the great east window were dark now all the glorious red and gold merged into a common brown blackness there were a few stalls without the sanctuary where certain favored cathedral families were accustomed to sit and toward these elise turned there at least there would be something soft to sit upon she found cushions and hassocks in plenty and with these made for herself a place of repose this isn't half bad she thought only i wish it were not at all so big and i wish i had some dinner before i came but i'm glad since i must be shut in that it's the cathedral not any other building it is holy ground and the angels must be here if anywhere taking care of the place where men leave it and go away she said her prayer softly like the devout english girl that she was afterward a hymn or two and then almost unconsciously she began to sing the clear young voice rang out into the dim wide space as a bird song rings in the forest aisles sweet notes abruptly ceased what is that thought elise with a throb of terror she listened intently surely something was moving in the north aisle not far away a moving shadow stirred the darkness immediately before her then a voice an odd impatient sharp voice with a wail in its tone like a complaining child said some more sing some more elise could not repress a start the cushions behind her rustled the shadow moved near a hand caught hold of her dress some more repeated the voice impatiently with a stifled shriek elise pulled her gown away and rose to flee but the hand caught her arm what are you going away for demanded the voice stay and sing some more i like it it makes me happy nobody sang in the bad place 
what's the bad place asked elise trying to speak calmly don't talk about it don't say another word about it replied the invisible presence in exciting tones do you hear don't talk about it they will come and find me if you do it was a bad bad place but i'm away from it now and i shall never go back i hid behind the marble man over there oh i was clever very clever they will never think of searching for me here and we will stay always and you shall sing he's mad thought poor elise sick with terror he certainly is i am shut in with a madman oh what shall i do a wild notion of getting away into the tower and ringing the bells for help flashed over her but the iron grate and the darkness seemed inseparable difficulties besides the lunatic was holding her arm he seemed to divine her thoughts and tightened his grasp don't hold my arm so you hurt me said elise steadying her voice with a mighty effort i will sing to you if you will sit down quietly and listen oh i'll listen replied her terrible companion i like to listen that was what made me come out of my hiding place my nice hiding place where they never will find me never do you think they'll find me do you i did not mean to come out oh no no oh no but when you began to sing i did oh why did i sing whatever made me thought poor elise but the madman had released her arm and now pushed her back into her seat and settled himself beside her sing he reiterated in a tone of command and elise sang choosing the most soothing air she knew at first her voice was unsteady with fear but as time went on she realized that her singing had power to tranquilize and make harmless the demented creature at her side she regained her powers never had her notes sounded so clear and high as now and they rang back from the lofty ark overhead in the soft echoes which doubled their volume she even grew to find a certain pleasure in her task building so to speak a wall of defence about her youth and helplessness out of the harmonics which she invoked if some poor wandering child of thine has burned to-day the voice divine now lord thy gracious work begin let him know my lie down in sin she sang the lunatic was perfectly still now she thought him asleep and paused to rest he stretched himself heavily along the carved bench his head fell on her lap sing he ordered drowsily sing more and so it went through the whole of that long unutterably long night intervals came when the sound of unmeasured breathing showed that the sleep had its healing touch upon the poor shaken brain which rested upon her knee and she could venture to stop for a while and calm herself with silence and prayer once or twice she drooped into a momentary slumber but only to be aroused by the renewed command peevishly uttered 
sing some more then she commenced her task to the last day of her life elise french could never quite bear to join in some of the hymns which she sang over and over and over again during the terrible vigil they were too indelibly associated with pain and horror of darkness the dread of dawn the fear of what might come with dawn to be endurable at last the dim light of the early morning began to steal into the cathedral familiar shapes of tombs and chapels in monumental brasses detached themselves from the darkness and stood revealed the marble man who is no other than the exemplary dr jenner in stone became visible at the west end of the nave and seemed to look toward her benignantly elise could see the head on her lap now the wild man and wan bloodless face but there was nothing horrible in the aspect nothing malign or ferocious and now indeed she sang as for her life intent on keeping the madman lulled in sleep till the doors should be unlocked and aid come she went on untiringly hymn after hymn anthem after anthem ballad after ballad her voice grew faint her limbs were stiff from keeping the same attitude so long surges of nervousness swept over her but she neither stirred nor stopped and so she sat and so she was still singing when the keys grated in the lock and the verger and his assistant together with the young prebendary entered to make ready the lady chapel for an early celebration i never saw so strange a scene wrote the young prebendary to his mother afterwards first we heard this high beautiful voice a little strained and unnatural in a tone but still beautiful and then while we were still staring about us in wonder we saw the girl sitting in one of the carved stalls as fixed as marble and almost as white we stood stock still with surprise like three fools till she with the wanest smile you ever saw beckoned us to come nearer and sang for she dared not change to speaking for fear of waking up the dreadful creature beside her i have been here all night please come and help me for i do not feel as if i could keep much longer on and i am afraid to stop i had seen miss french once or twice before i came to gloucester but had never particularly noticed her she's a quiet girl and not exactly pretty and well there are always such a lot of girls in the cathedral towns and you know how it is yourself but somehow the strangeness of the thing and her wonderful self-control and the brave look in her eyes quite overcame me and when i had slipped the lunatic's head off her knee on to a cushion and released her she stopped in the very act of going to whisper don't hurt him he did me no harm and i don't think he is violent or dangerous i suppose he will have to go back to the asylum but i wish he needn't for he does hate it so by jove mother i thought she was the sweetest thing i ever saw i just wish you could have seen her 
and then as she slipped away toward the door the madman roused reared his rumpled head and screamed after her don't go away stop and sing some more oh do sing some more that was what he had been saying all night she told us no wonder she was exhausted she fainted away after she got home but she was all right again now how i little imagined said mrs montjeffries on the day of elise's wedding a year later when i drove away that night to take care of george who wasn't a bit grateful but just sat up in bed and scolded me what was to come of it aunt blamed me at the time i know but how could i foresee that there was a lunatic hidden away in the cathedral and you are going to be locked in and sing to him all night now elise i put it to you how could i and really i think she ought to be grateful to me and you too for if i hadn't forgotten all about you you might never have met ralph at all and where would you be then where indeed responded elise a dimpling blush and the bishop giving him that nice living too as soon as he heard of your engagement because he said the cathedral owed you something after all you had suffered now elise do own that it was a good thing that i went off that night and forgot all about you and your dinner of course i couldn't know what it was to lead to but there's one thing continued flora triumphantly if i had known i would have done exactly the same end of in the cathedral